0: podcast
1: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us as we are back to provide you with the big match preview ahead of Bournemouth to come in the Premier League on Saturday. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, or across all major audio platforms. We're of course on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs, we're on Facebook and Instagram too And during this show, we'll be covering Spurs and Brighton being charged by the FA. We'll be discussing, of course, the form of Dian Kulusevsky and Arnold Danjuma finally getting his opportunity. And Hummin Son back amongst the goals as then we look ahead to Bournemouth to come in a big game for Tottenham in the Premier League. Joining me on this last one on Spurs, back alongside me, I've got John Wenham. Over at White Rose, joining myself and John, we're joined by Patrick Tyron, who is always ever defending Tottenham, and making a debut on Last Word on Spurs, we're joined by Holly Clemens from the BBC as we build up to Bournemouth to come. But there's only one place to start on this Last Word on Spurs. Holly, it feels only right coming over to you first with you making your debut here. Spurs and Brighton have been charged for the mass confrontation on the touchline between the respective coaching staff on Saturday, but... Christian Stellini and Roberto De Zerbi will face no further action after their red cards, meaning that both will not be suspended from the touchline this weekend and they will have until Monday to respond to those charges. It means there's more Stellini ball. It means he's back on the touchline, of course, for this game against Bournemouth. How do you feel about that? And ultimately, what do you feel we can expect now ahead of that decision and Stellini back on the touchline for the weekend?
2: Look, it's... It is a bit disappointing. Um, and as we just mentioned there, um, another week of Stellini ball, it, it's like Conte never left. Um, but it's what's interesting is his second game now as actual head coach and that happens. I think we are in a position where we needed some reassurance um, and we didn't get that from him. Um, so to have an incident like that where... Um, well he got into drama with with the other manager it's just it's just not what we need right now while we're in the race for top 4 um we needed some stability we needed him to take control and it felt like a completely out of control situation i think he added fuel to the fire before the game even started comments he made about the serbi and it's just um i mean i don't know what he said to him or even if he did say something to him on the touch touch line um but the drama that unfolded from there um, sort of took away from the football and what we um, needed to see happen. Um, and, yeah, it didn't keep control of the coaches. Um, it was just a bit embarrassing. I mean, it wasn't as feisty as our Antonio Conte, Thomas Tuchel uh, drama that we had at the start of the season. But <laughs> I think it was a little bit snaky and didn't get good vibes from him. I think the players are so... um down and a bit demoralised at the moment, and they needed someone to really uh, steer the ship um, at, as we approach the end of the season. So it was a bit disappointing. Think he deserved to be out of this game. Um, was quite looking forward to having a break from him. Actually, <laughs> it's
0: funny, isn't it? I mean, the guy's been here for it's, it's it was his what, second second time actually in control of the first team. John came over to you, and I've got to say, I think you know. Upon his appointment, I think there was a vibe around that maybe he might be changing certain aspects of the team. We're going to see maybe a more from-foot Tottenham. But I think we can't get away from the fact that, look, he is Conte's man. And ultimately, I think we said this last week, he's going to ultimately probably follow in Conte's footsteps that wherever he'll go next, he'll most certainly be Conte's number two. How do you feel, John, about the situation? We'll probably being brightened into it, the game itself, because, I mean, outsiders will probably look at the table and it was yet another unconvincing victory. But Spurs are just three points off third place. We've now six points separating them and those that are behind them. So, listen, we can't get away from the fact that I'm sure the brand of football isn't what we want. But the table suggests that it's closer than what it is. But I know mentally and as Spurs fans, we probably don't feel anywhere near right now being in the position to achieve a top four finish. What do you think?
3: Yeah, Ricky, when when Stellini was appointed, I wasn't as against it as many. I, I looked at the simple fact that he'd taken the game in Marseille. He took the game against Preston. He took the three home games against Chelsea, Manchester City and West Ham. We won all five of them. Yes, he had the defeat versus Sheffield United. But, um, you know, Brighton's another win. But I've got to be honest with you, I was looking for a lot more. I was looking for a the players also to come out and, and be more refreshed. We can say, oh, Stellini tells them to do this. You know, sometimes the players have got to take a bit more responsibility and go out on the pitch and just deliver and put on an exciting show. And I was kind of felt like that that performance against Brighton was horrendous. You know, it was so, we were so lucky to win the game. They had so many opportunities. Brighton disallowed VAR goals, penalties, shouts turned down, hit the post. Um, you know, just our two outstanding players. Um, delivered. And it was great to see Sonny score as well. Really, really pleased for him because he's had a really difficult season. And I hope and pray that between these last eight games, he can now go on a run with a bit of confidence. And if we can have Kane delivering as he's done all season and Sonny now getting a bit of confidence up and scoring a few goals, then I think we can end the season positively. But it does always feel like we're in a false position in this table. I remember before the game at Everton, another terrible performance. You know, we could have gone third of a win there. And I thought, how poor must the league be this year if we can go third? You know, because I've seen so many underwhelming performances this season, so many easy points dropped. You know, when Everton went down to 10 men and we still couldn't get the job done, um, that was really, really worrying. But just on Stellini, again, I, I personally felt a little bit sorry for him on Saturday. I saw De Zerby, you know, come over and do that really patronising, you know, in the face before a ball had been kicked. I've not seen that in my life. You know, not even seen Mourinho do that sort of thing before a game started. Um, so that kind of put him on the back foot straight away. This is a guy who's only doing his second ever game as a caretaker manager, being approached that way. I personally saw it as more of Deserby trying to put his authority over him before a ball had been kicked and kind of a tactical mind game. Obviously, we've ended up winning the game, so great, albeit very unjustly. But uh, yeah, I am you know, I thought it would have been slightly unfair if he was banned, actually, when Deserby started the game in that manner and then continued to attack him and the Tottenham coaching staff throughout the first half. Um, I appreciate they might have felt slightly aggrieved. But um, yeah, I, I felt a bit sorry for him. So um, yeah, I think the correct decision has been found. And uh, I think Deserby probably should be banned, but not still any of uh, his behaviour on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, look, we did dive into a lot of that, of course, on our post-match reaction show in regards to the Brighton result. Pat, just to bring you in. Look, the PGMO have subsequently this, this week admitted they've made that decision, well, they've made a mistake by not awarding Brighton that penalty against Spurs. Of course, we want to secure the three points. Um, the Zerbi saw their two goals chalked off by VAR, and we're denied what we like a clear penalty. We can't get away from it, obviously. Hoybier appearing to foul, Karumatoma Matoma in the box. Just give me your feelings, Pat, on that performance at the weekend and the fact that we've got three points and where that, you feel, leaves us now in amongst these next eight games for Tottenham.
4: Yeah, I mean, we dodged the bullet massively on, on Saturday. I was at the game, as you know, I'm a season ticket holder. So for my sins, I've been watching this brand of football all year long. And we were under the cosh the whole game. It was, you know, wave after wave. And I was looking like, wow, this Brighton team are actually really good. Or are we really bad? It was a bit of both. And we were played off the park. Uh, like, like John said, I mean, it felt like a, a it was prime potch, like we had run it back about four years and Son and Kane, our two main guys, just coming to life and pretty much winning us the game. And that was literally the difference. Son, what a fantastic goal. That looked like the Son of last year and the Son that we all know and love, you know, just took the ball on, created his own goal, top bins to keep, had no chance. And then Kane's always Kane. He's always good for a goal or two. And, uh, but other than that, there was nothing to talk about. We were just poor Hugo Lloris as much as I've loved him as a keeper I just I don't understand why he came straight back into the starting lineup because you see the difference there yes he's a fantastic shot stopper but he created us or caused us to be under so much pressure with his crap short passing and bad kicking and it just let them have wave after wave and with Fraser Forster we didn't we didn't we weren't under that much pressure when we were trying to play out from the back, because he wouldn't just do the same stuff over and over. And it got to a point where we were actually jeering sarcastically when he actually decided to boot the ball up. So when you see him, like, you know, obviously wave the defenders up, the whole crowd was like, yeah, like, about time, wake up. So, poor and Stellini, you know, as much as Stellini wasn't at fault for getting sent off and shouldn't got sent off, I wish it would have stood, because then at least with Ryan Mason, we actually see some balls. Ryan Mason pushed Dyer up. He allowed us to play with a bit more free-flowing football. He brought Dan Juma on. Again, the crowd jeered sarcastically. Like, this is a guy we've had since January and he's played about one or two games. Like, what was the point of bringing him in? And it's just the same crap over and over and over. And it is such a weird feeling because we are only three points off third. We've won the fourth most amount of games in the league. We scored, like, the fourth most amount of goals. And I'm looking at it like all these stats actually indicate that we're a good team. And I'm just like, how is this possible? And the league this year has actually probably been the most competitive it's ever been in terms of the top four fight, in terms of the title fight going down to the wire. The fact there's there's like six or seven teams that can legitimately get relegated. like Even Southampton, who are rock bottom, two or three wins and they're straight off the bottom. Usually at this point of the season, one team's already done. And then there's probably one or two that are almost up. So the league is so competitive, which makes it actually good because every game, someone's got something to fight for. So there's no, you know, no one's on, apart from Chelsea, who are probably bang on the table. Everyone else can't put their, you know, their flip-flops and sunglasses on and shorts on. They've actually got to play football, which is brilliant because it means every result counts and everyone has to play. But I don't know, when I look at this team, I'm, Ricky, I'm just... I'm gobsmacked. I just don't know what to think. Because, yes, we've got some quality, but Son's dropped off a cliff. Obviously, Kane is still Harry Kane. Romero, even, as good as I think he is, hasn't been that great, if I'm being honest. And I just look around and I just think there's so many players, like Hoiberg, screaming and shouting at everyone after he keeps making mistakes and giving the ball away.
0: Yeah, The guy's a
4: pretender, do you know what I mean? He's a pretender. No one really wants to show for the ball. No one wants to create any.
0: I don't know. I'm just. I, I, do, I do think Pat on Hoybia. I, I just think if Spurs want to play a progressive brand of football, I'm not quite sure whether he's the right guy for the future. Nah. But many will shout me down and probably say that you know in uh, for the in the Euros that, and even the World Cup for Denmark, he played in a much more forward advanced role. So there'll be many that will shout me down for that. I can see John nodding there. So I, I just wonder again if the players are being asked to play this specific type of system and pattern of play, are we going to really see the best of any of them? You know, we are going to come onto Kuliszewski's form. I can see John he would have come back in there probably on Hoybier as, as as Pat picked up there.
3: Yeah, well not just on Hoybier, but also on Brighton. I, I think my overriding feeling was Brighton seemed miles above us. The results didn't seem sustainable. It didn't seem like that if we started the league again today on zero points and Brighton on zero points, that we would finish above Brighton. They looked far better than us. They looked organised. They had though just picking everything up in midfield. Um, and any team this season that has gone against us with free in midfield against R2, especially when we haven't got Bentoncourt there, who's our best midfielder, they just overrun us and they win the battle. So, you know, I'm desperate, really am desperate for the next manager to come in and look at the defenders we've got and say, we don't have two good defenders. So to play free is insanity. Let's go back to a system where we get higher up the pitch. Let's get free in midfield. I'd rather we started that now and got someone like Papasar in there, who's proved his credentials with that performance in the San Siro, whack him in there, along with Skip, along with Hoibier, and let's, you know, get on the front foot further forward. This whole process of picking three defenders when we don't have defenders of that quality, I just find bizarre, I really do. Um, I think Poro, actually, will be fine if he had to slot into a right-back role. I've seen a real development in him, actually, the last couple of games. I think he's very good defensively and going forward. I think we've seen, you know, some really good performances from him personally over the last few games, whereas the team performances haven't been great. So I've got full faith that Poro is one of those just very good footballers who will be fine, whether he's, you know, part of a a three at the back with wing-backs or just a a right-back. So I think I'm looking forward to seeing him over these remaining games, definitely. I really want him to nail down the slot for next year. And obviously, we've got Udoji coming in as well at left-back. So there are some signs, but I'd really like us to to give Saar some opportunities between the end of the season. And I would still be pushing for a change of formation. I just don't think we've got, and I haven't done since we started it, three centre-backs that are worthwhile including out of only 11 players you can name.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to come over to you, there was that feeling, and we actually said it on our post-match show after the game, that when Stellini was sent off, or I say sent off, he was sent up to the press area, that Mason was in control. But from what we understand, good friend of Charlie Gold, is that a lot of the decisions being made by Stellini, well, a lot of decisions being made on the, on the pitch by Mason in that final 25 minutes, half an hour, were much dictated to by Stellini. Apparently the plan was to bring on Dan Juma there was meant to be those changes that were being made. So I just wonder, you know, by the fact that really those were still in these changes in those final 25 minutes, that seems to indicate really that not much is probably going to change in these next eight, nine games. Do you think on the basis of how we're playing right now, is there any remote chance Spurs could still finish in that top four?
2: As negative as I started, I'm naturally quite a positive and resilient person. I haven't been a Spurs fan all my life. And I always try and push that narrative because I think if we don't, then what the hell is the point? Like, do you know what I mean? We, we are a resilient bunch. Um, I think I saw Stellini because um, I went to the Preston North End FA Cup game and um, I saw Dan Juma score his debut goal for Spurs. Um, brilliant um, to see him, you know get out and on the pitch and also score a goal, you could see how much it meant to him. You know, Stalini has said that he thinks Dan Juma should get um, more play and stuff. But I think as well, like I mentioned when I started um, on here just now, The thing is, it is like an echo of Antonio Conte and how loyal he is to certain players. Like remember how much we wanted to see Jed Spence at times and stuff. The fans are crying out for these changes and then getting disappointed when they don't happen. It's almost like they're not listening um, and watching different football uh, to us. I'm a massive fan of Kulisewski by the way, but his form has dropped massively in recent weeks. And that's why all of us... Want to see Dan Juma? You know he started uh, at the club with such promise, such future, and it's it's a it's a real shame to see him not getting the minutes that he um, deserves. And I think we're in a position where, obviously, I'd love us to see love us to finish top four again, um, but it's, it's that, that feeling of, okay, what happens next then? We get back into the Champions League and then what happens next? I feel like we're in this awkward limbo where, yeah, we've got Stellini as head coach. He had a great run of those games. I was so positive. I was his praises back then, obviously. <laughs> and then it just all we feels, were.
1: Like,
2: feels like a copy and paste of Antonio Conte now. So I almost just feel like we just need this fresh start now uh, moving forward. But um, I really hope that he listens to us and makes the changes. Obviously, we're not there in training, but um, some things need to change because we should have performed better um, than we did in our last game.
1: Hi, everyone. Crackers here with your round up and rundown of upcoming Legends events for you. 28th of April, Glenn Hoddle is at Worcester Cricket Club for the Worcestershire Spurs Supporters Club. 19th of May, Dean Saunders is at Hardwick FC Clubhouse for Hardwick FC in Gloucester. On May the 26th, Razor Ruddock, the one and only Razor Ruddock, is at Dartford FC. And on June the 23rd, Michael Dawson at Hereford FC for the Herefordshire Spurs Supporters Club. So there you go. There's a rundown and flavour of some of the upcoming events for you. Please check out at Mr Cracknell across the socials where I'll be putting posters up with details on how you can get your tickets. Cheers, Ed.
0: One of the players that you mentioned there, um, Holly, that we have to come on to is, of course, Arnold Danjuma. He finally got his opportunity. It's been fair to say that he has been kept massively, massively waiting for that. And I'll be hoping this is the start of things to come back, coming over to you. Um, look, it didn't take long actually for him to make a difference on the field because quite naturally, it wasn't really what he'd done. It was more of the case of the impact he did as soon as he entered the pitch with relation to just pressing. You know, it's funny, you know, we have players in that squad that have got a different array of ability. And I think the problem with Tottenham is right now, we just seem to have denied ourselves the opportunity to have a plan B which I don't quite understand why. And I think Holly made it a great point there, and picked up on the fact that, you know, whether it's Conte or Cellini, we've got a number of what we call favourites in this squad that simply just can't ever seem to be dislodged. And it almost does feel quite unfair where we've got Danjuma who came into the club in January, rejected Everton, where, quite frankly, when you see the way Everton are positioned, he most certainly would have got more opportunities at Everton than what he would have got at Tottenham so far. So do you think the fact that he's come on, he's made a difference on Saturday, do you think that will play into the thinking of Stellini where he might get an opportunity now for these upcoming runner games?
4: I mean, I hope so. And dare I say, you know, I don't, We, I mean, we're down to bare bones and with injuries. But unless there's more injuries, I can't see him shifting the current starters, which is a shame because rotate it, you know, mix things up, freshen things up. Let us see him play because the guy's clearly got ability Last year for Villarreal in Champions League, you saw what he was doing against top teams. The guy's a good player. But um, I don't know, man. You Literally, Son's been as poor as he's ever been. And the guy's pretty much started every game, bar one or two. Kulu hasn't been great. And I love the guy. I mean, other than Son and Kane, those are the only two guys I've ever had on the back of my Spurs shirts. And last year, or this season, I got Kulu on the back of one. And I was really, like, deliberating if I should do it or not. And I did it. And obviously, since then, there's... His forms dropped off a cliffs. So I don't know if I jinxed it or whatever. I'm like, next year, I'm not putting no new players on the back of my shirts. Just Son, Kane, and that's it. Because
0: all, all manager, all managers, Pat, they can't <laughs> last more than a season here
4: or uh, none of the little, you know, the managers with the little, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, initials at the front. None of that either. Because, yeah, I don't know. When I see Kulu, I think he's even playing with no confidence. There was one or two moments against Brighton where he could have took the shot. He's delaying it, delaying it, looking to pass it off. Take the shot, Kulu. You can score, you know, you can finish with either foot. You're a talented footballer. And I can see that he doesn't feel as confident. He doesn't believe in himself at the moment. And that's because... We're just playing him all the time. He needs a break. I really believe he needs a break. or, you know a rest? Take him out of this firing line, starting lineup, and bring him back in. But the way we're playing, and with you know we're down to bare bones. You don't. We don't really have the facilities to do that. And uh, I don't know, man. You know, like like Collie's saying, I I do believe. Funny enough, I still believe that we could finish third. I honestly do. The fact that we still got to play Man United and Newcastle, and the fact that we're still winning games, I do believe that we can do it. Newcastle for me. I'm still not sure about if they've got enough goals in that team. Defensively, they're very solid. Best defensive team in the league by a country mile, but they don't score enough for me. And Man United have got a lot of games and a lot of competitions, and you're seeing it take its toll on the players. Rashford's out for a few weeks, so I think we can catch them. But when I look at the brand of football we're playing and how we're playing, it just yeah, it does baffle me to see how we are, where we are, but we are. So I take it. And obviously, fingers crossed, toes crossed, you know, I'm praying to every football god out there that we can just keep winning somehow.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, John, come over to you. Look, we, we will bring also Kulisewski into the equation because obviously that's the man that Dan Juma replaced at the weekend for those final what, 18, 19 minutes of the game. I think it was actually a bit less than that. Give me your thoughts, John, on what you saw from Dan Juma in that cameo that he was on the pitch. And do you think on the basis of what he's done in that period, He has earned himself more of a chance. And will Stellini be affording that opportunity to him in the upcoming games, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think first things first, it was great to see us actually use the subs. I find it absolutely baffling that we were one of the clubs that really lobbied for five subs to be able to be used. And we never used them. I'd love someone to get the stats for me. We must have made the least subs in the Premier League this season without any doubt. I see other clubs making three, four, five changes. We haven't made any yet. And on, you know, 91, we'll bring on Sanchez for long lay or something along those levels, you know, that makes absolutely zero in-game difference. It's a complete waste of time that we bothered lobbying for it. (laughs) It's it's so, you know, we're not proactive with anything. We're just reactive to stuff. And I just find it, it, you know, embarrassing, really, that we bothered to make such a song and dance about something and then we don't act upon it. On Dan Juma, he did well when he came on. But actually, this is going to sound incredibly harsh. Now that Richarlison is back as well, I don't actually see Dan Juma getting a look in at all. I think Richarlison will be the one that will come in for Kulevetsky. Richarlison is the one they've paid £60 million for. He will get in front of Dan Juma, make no mistakes about that. So I think what we'll see is if Kulevetsky is going to come out of the team, as he probably should do, because his form has been horrendous for most of the season, um, you know, the only game I can think of where he was fantastic was Southampton, and that was game one. Yeah, um, I mean, that season. He's had yeah. a really poor season, if we're being honest. I know he's had a couple of injuries, but he's had a really poor season. Um, so I actually think that Richarlison will be the player that comes in. Then Dan Juma will be back on the bench back with Kulevetsky. And it might be that Kulovetsky being out of the lineup for a couple of games will reignite him and he'll come on and, and come in again. So I just don't see Dan Juma getting too many opportunities between now and the end of the season. Lucas has only got one more game on his ban. He'll be back on the bench, whatever you make of that, rightly or wrongly, because he's announced, you know, or he's been announced that he'll be going at the end of the season. So quite why he's being provided with opportunities in front of Dan Juma with somebody that was turned down other clubs, proven, as Patrick said, scoring in the Champions League last year, And he needs to be able to give an opportunity to show why we should maybe buy him. But he's just not being presented with that whatsoever. I feel really sorry for the guy. He seems to post really kind of positive messages every day, training hard, working hard, seems to get in there early, stay late and just doesn't get rewarded in any way. Um, But I just think with Richarlison back now as well, he will not get a look in.
0: It's interesting, obviously, after the game on Instagram, Dan Juma posted, amazing to feel the support from the fans for our win. Let's keep pushing. He ended that caption with a little square blue box with the word free in it. And it's obviously, John, you say there, you know, you might not even get a look in now ahead of these next few games because of a return. Do you think, Holly, that's the biggest problem that we've had this season? I know we've been absolutely ravaged by injuries. And again, I mean, look, we can't get away from the fact that if anyone had Spurs' injury list, they would also very much struggle to be able to field a predominant eleven that could really, you know, take the game to the opposition. But at the same time, it doesn't feel, Holly, that there's much of a reward for any of the fringe players that put in a performance because ultimately... They just gonna be back on the bench the week after. Is that the biggest issue at the moment with Spurs? Do you reckon under Stellini, Conte, Alaba, both of them?
2: I think I think it is because, and and I said this before when um, before we got uh, Pedro Porro and uh, Emerson, all of a sudden decided that he was going to be a superstar. Um, it must've been so annoying for someone like Jed Spence to to watch Emerson's performance and be like, why the hell am I not getting a look in at all? Um, and I think that is just one case um, which can be reflected across multiple positions. And I think it must be really frustrating, especially um, to be a, a newly signed player and be like, you know, massive club, um, huge opportunity and not getting the the minutes that, that they deserve. I think as well, my thoughts are if something's not working, change it. Like, why are we leaving it so late to make changes sometimes? Like, it's it's it just makes no sense. It's like, okay, yeah, they've they've been great in previous games, but they're not it's not working today. It's like how are we gonna finish that game? That needs to be the focus. We need to take each game as it comes. Um, and I think sometimes the changes aren't made as quickly as they should be. Um, and it is incredibly Frustrating to watch and to watch, you know, players' um, form not be as good as it should. As you said, injuries can't be helped. I mean, we're all missing Rodrigo Bentancur. Oh my God, come back, my angel! (laughs) Obviously, when you're feeling well and healthy, Uh, but you know, seeing um, players that have been absolutely vital to our success out is always disappointing. But we need to give those who are in behind them
3: Powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey.
0: I'm going to also ask you guys about Kulisewski's drop-off in form. Pat, just to bring you in, and John alluded to it there, we can only really think of a couple of games, if that, where he's had a massive impact on a team. One of them being, of course, day one, Southampton. But apart from that, really, there's been a real lack of performances over 90 minutes from Kulisewski. Do you put that down to the nature of trying to adapt to the league, although last season he was so superb. Do you think it's the system in way he's been asked to play? What do you think, Pat, on that?
4: I think it's the system, personally. I know the guy's got bundles of talent and ability, but we play such a negative brand of football. We sit behind the ball. We hardly have the ball. Last year, again, when we were, you know, we saw the best of Kulu when he had the ball and he was running at players. Uh, We were counter-attacking teams. We were scoring a lot of goals. This year, I mean, we're scoring... Two goals a game, one goal a game, sometimes not scoring. And we're not allowing the flair players to actually play. And I don't know if the coaches are saying something that it's like, you know, we've seen Son not be as expressive and as brilliant as he as he usually is. Everyone says it's because Perisic is up his ass and they're literally playing on top of each other. But i s I don't buy that. I just think it's like the life's been sucked out of these guys. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong, but I just don't see i think as well when he came back from his injury because there was no creativity and we were doing so poorly we had to rush him in and he's pretty much played a lot of football which again isn't great for somebody who so his minutes haven't been managed but i don't know i mean other than kane i can't really tell you who else is having a good season there might be a shout for oliver skip but even this is going to sound really harsh when i see skip i don't see I know he's one of our own and he's still young, but I don't see as good as a footballer as some people make him out to be. His touch is quite poor. He loses the ball a lot. He passes the ball to the opposition really under no pressure. And he's kind of him and Hoiberg are much of a muchness. So when you've got those two in midfield and you've got no out there's no there's nobody to like make that pass before the pass. If Cooley gets the ball and doesn't run at somebody and make his own space or make his own, you know, beat his own man. He's never going to get to be that creative player to then feed son or feed kane so we just need better tacticians and better dribblers behind or next to kulu and then we will see a better kulu we need better ball carrying defenders who can actually pass to him in decent lines and lanes and allow him to then express himself so there's a lot going on uh again um i go back to lorise's kicking when is the last time you saw Larice actually free a man find a man and then we can create a counter It doesn't happen. So all these things, when they add on top of each other, is why we're not seeing the best of Kulu. But his form hasn't been good as well. I can't just blame it on that. So I think it's a combination of things.
0: John, just to bring you in on Kulusevsky, I could see you animated there in the background as I brought him up. Tell me what you think has gone wrong for him this season. What's the reason? I mean, you look at him last season. I mean, the fact of the matter is, in that final third, he was so pivotal for Tottenham in that running. Five goals, eight assists in 18 Premier League games. He just seemed to click as soon as he came over. So what has been the difference this season when he had, like we said, that good six, seven months to adapt ahead of a new season and a pre-season on top? He was absolutely
3: phenomenal last season. I mean, I was very confidently telling people that I thought he'd score 15 goals this season based on the fact that he took to the league like a duck to water. He was scoring in big away games. You know, he had that same shot every time, that curling left-footed shot straight into the top corner. He did two at Norwich. Um, I, I just felt... Everything about him was going really well. He seemed to be very settled away from his football as well. Young guy, adapted nicely, had Benton Cole with him, had Romero, who he knew with him. I just thought all, everything had clicked for him to really push on this season. And I thought he would probably treble in value, actually, by the end of this year. So to see what we've seen is hugely underwhelming. But as Patrick said, there's so many issues in this team. And I sort of feel like, you know, every the you know, managers we've had this season aren't getting the best out of the players anyway. I feel like somebody else could come in and get more out of the players than what we're currently seeing. So, I think with Kulovetski, I still definitely want Tottenham to buy him. I think at 22, there's huge um, you know, upwards growth in his potential. And I think he's already shown that he can be a super Premier League player. Um, I just think under a new manager, we would have to write this kind of season off as, as a bad season for whatever reason. But I think we certainly stick with Kulu, and I think he will come good. No mistakes about that.
0: We hope so. Holly, to bring you in. I'm trying to come to Holly for the more positive aspects of Spurs and there's been so very few in these last few months that Holly, you're going to have to forgive me, but one player that did eventually get back on the score sheet the weekend was Heung-min Son. I think we were all relieved to see Sonny back on the score sheet. Do you think now Son has got the capability to put a run together between now and the end of the season?
2: I hope so. Now listen, I'm always going to have a special place in my heart for Sonny, always. And I will back him till the day I die, no matter what he does. I literally will always, always back him. He he has been a bit disappointing this season. Um, it was nice to see him hit that record, obviously a really special record for him and another great record for the club. But it's just... I, I expected a bit more from him this season and, you know, yeah, final push, maybe that ignites something in him now um, and that is what we need. We really need everyone to go out all guns blazing and and, and, and secure that for us, especially when it's so possible for us to finish third. Um, going a bit off piste here, but John just said then about Kulosevsky and said about him being 22, Listen, I'm shocked by this. I just had to Google it. He's 22. I am literally nearly five years older than him. And I'm like, I thought he was older <laughs> than me. Like, what? <laughs> this has blown my mind. Now I'm
0: like, I'm sorry, he does not look 22 anyway. Totally. It's a sad reality when you realise that when you get to our, well, definitely my age, you look, all these players are older, all, all younger than us now. It's the worst feeling. It's horrendous. I oh, know.
2: Again, it's, not, it's making me realise, God, I'm no spring chicken and I'm sat there and I'm like pointing my finger at them all going, you're not fit enough, you're not doing this. It's like, I struggle to run a 5k on Sunday. Anyway, um, I'll carry on with what we were saying. Um, Yeah, Sonny, I see a lot of Twitter beef people saying, mm. get him out, he's done, he's had his, He's, you know, he's, he's had his peak, he's whatever. I literally, catch me outside and I'll fight you about this because it's completely <laughs> not true um, and I will not have it. Um, just, just love him and yes, fingers crossed we get an absolute Sonny screamer this weekend
0: Fingers crossed we do definitely need to have one. Pat, just to bring you in when you look at the, uh, again, the stats with Sonny and John, you know it's been a real, real tough period for him. Before Brighton the weekend, it was only 10 goals in his last 38 games in all competitions. I mean, I know it only took him 10 minutes to find the back of the net, but I have to say with Son, I think there was that feeling that, is there a real concern that even as a footballer was he just simply losing it because his touch was fairly poor? Um, I don't know what you think of it, Pat. Do you think now that goal can give him a full bit of confidence? We've said it again this season. we said it after Leicester. We've said it numerous times, even after Preston. Do you think that is the goal to finally reignite his season for these last eight games to go?
4: Yeah, you would hope so. The thing I love about Son is that he knows he's been poor. Like He'll come out. He doesn't hide. He doesn't shirk away from criticism. He'll come out and openly say, I've not been good. You know, I don't know what's going... Well, I mean, he knows what's going on. I think his granddad or someone close to him died, so he was wearing a black armband, so he touched on that. And he's openly admitted time and time again he's not been great, but he says he thanks the team and the fans for backing him and he's willing to, like, ride out and die and, you know, and obviously push as hard as he can for these last remaining games. And that's what you want to hear from someone when they're not playing well and they're not doing... You know, he scored a brilliant goal. It was an important goal as well not a goal where we're like three or four nil up and you come on and you score it was the first goal in the game that where we were under the cosh so it changed the game and obviously helped us get an important victory and we just want to see more of that we've got some big games coming up and this son can go on a run and get four or five maybe six goals in our last eight games seven games whatever it is that will massively help us i think he's on seven for the season which by for him is so underwhelming we'd expect him to be on about 12 to 15 at this stage. Yep. But if he can get to about 15 goals, then even though it's not been a great season, that will definitely help us in our push. So, you know, there's still, I don't understand when I keep seeing people on Twitter ourselves on, this is the last year we can get some money for him or some value. Doesn't make sense. For me, still one of the best wingers in the world. Yes, he's having a bad season, but tell me what player hasn't in the whole span of their career had a bad, you know, run of games or a bad season. Hopefully next year he will be back to his best. One thing about Son is that you do see him try. Even if it's not working, he will try and try again. He's never been the strongest. He's never been one to, like, obviously fly into tackles and win aerial duels. So sometimes as well, I feel... No one really talks on it. We're playing them out of position. We're playing them back to goal, expecting them to win balls and win headers. That's not his game. We're not, again, going back to the creative or lack of a creative spark in this team. If Son, if Kane isn't picking up the ball and finding him, no one else will. Son is great when he's running off the shoulder, running in behind the last man. How many times have we given them the ball in that position this season? I can't really tell you. So we're not playing to a strengths. The team isn't really ticking. So, again, it's even like I'm saying the same thing with Kulu. When all these things are accumulation and, and on top of each other, you're not really going to see players have their best season. So I do feel under a new manager, when we're playing four at the back, three in midfield, we will see much better, you know, outputs from our attacking players.
0: Yeah, look, we've we've dissected heavily. Obviously, Kuletsky's form... Dan Zuma coming back into the team, John feeling that maybe we won't see much of him between now and the end of the season. John, give me your thoughts finally on Sonny before we look ahead to Bournemouth to come at the weekend. Do you think that goal can reignite his season? I mean, it's mad to think that only, you know, Just you just flash back a year, this guy is going for the golden boot. And as Pat says now, seven goals for the season. I could see you shaking your head there. And also disbelief, at, you know, the fact that he, had to, he has had this off season. But I think When you look at players around the world, I mean, Harry Kane probably must be one of a few that has been ultra consistent over a seven, eight season, you know. That's
3: that's simply why Harry Kane is world class, because he's so consistent. He's a 20 goals a season guaranteed man. If he even has an ankle injury and puts him out for a little while, he's still getting up to 20 goals. So, yeah. Um, has, I, I, has the tactics, John? Just also on this, but to come back on us as well.
0: Has the tactics, as as many have just said, their agents on the screen there, have they stifled Son's play? In your opinion, he seems to allude to that well, a little bit after the game. That maybe the way he's been asked yeah. to play isn't getting the best out of him.
3: I, I can see that, that that argument, but actually, I can think of multiple opportunities this season that Son has missed that he would have scored in other seasons. So there is a, a longer-standing confidence issue. He has actually been presented with loads of chances I can think of one even at Everton the other night it was offside but he didn't know that when he went through and he shit it straight at Pickford last year he was going for the corners and that's going in um so you know I, I think Sun should have had from the chances he's had five to ten more goals already um it has been a hugely underwhelming season and I was one of the people you know as others have calling for him to be dropped so I was really pleased to see him score now and I do hope he goes on a run now till the end of the season because I still think he's an outstanding player. But I think any calls to sell him are so wide of the mark it's untrue because I think you have to consider this summer, Harry Kane is going to have one year left on his contract. So there is going to be that awkward conversation is going to happen and Tottenham will have to decide what they're doing, whether they're going to stick to their guns and he's going to see out the remaining year or they're going to look to sell him. There is no way you can sell Kane and Son in one window. We've done something similar before. We lost Keane and Berbatov in one window. Oh, and it was an absolutely effing God. disaster the following season. Yep. You know, we can't do that again. You can't lose two of your talismanic characters just like that in one window. So, you know, back to Son, I think we absolutely will keep him. He's got a contract till 2025. He's with base. Base have got all the top players at Tottenham signed up. All the young players are with base as well. So very good relationship there. I see no chance of him going this summer. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I was just pleased for him that he scored and I hope and pray that he really can push on and deliver because I think he's going to be a big player for us still for a couple more years. Just, just on yeah. that as well, Rick, I'm thinking about Kane and Son and their respective ages. And I've seen some people say, oh, Son's getting up to 29 and Kane 28, 29 as well. But actually, if you look at the last World Cup we just watched, you had Messi, Lewandowski, um, Ronaldo. These are guys 35, 37, 36, still playing in World Cup, still being the dominant figures for their countries. Don't so forget I'm, Modric
4: as well. Modric Modric's is a not a game. Yeah,
3: if you've got that inequality, I think the way people's diets have developed, people know more about nutrition, know more about sleep, that sort of thing. Players and better players can last longer than ever before. So, I mean, no rush to move on, son. Um, I think he's still a world-class player. We've seen that actually when he drops in and plays for career this season, his Tottenham form has been irrelevant to that. He's been scoring two goals a game and scoring all those free kicks. But that's another conversation. And I hope this summer a new manager <laughs> the, balls, the balls to, Sorry, Rick, to say to Harry, look, thank you for everything you do and carry on doing everything you do apart from the fake it. You know, because we saw Poor take that one against Southampton and it was miles better than anything we've seen in the last decade for yeah. Harry. And obviously Sun scores them all the time for South Korea. So I think there's going to be big, big decisions at Tottenham this summer. Just one thing, finally, Rick, on Harry as well. I know some Tottenham fans, myself included, have said, what's the point in getting in the top four if we do what we did against AC Milan? Right? And um, we don't push on and we don't do anything by getting in the top four. I think if we don't get in the top four, I don't see any way Harry can stay. I really don't. I don't I don't think, you know, Europa League at the stage he's at. I think, you know, with the right management appointment, with the right contract offer, but I think they need Champions League football to be able to offer Harry Kane as well. I just think with a year left at his age, he's not going to do another year in the Europa League, Europa Conference, any of that kind of nonsense. I think he needs to be playing at the top level. So for that alone, if that even gives us a 1% chance of getting him to renew a little bit more, then I think we have to get in the top four. But it's going to be a tough ask. We talked about the Newcastle game, the Man United game. You know, Man United have beaten us every single time at the new stadium. So we need yep. to turn that round. We've got to go to Anfield. You know, we've we've got really really in James St
0: James's Park. Well, James I think Park that's
3: why. This season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you that's know. why we I mean, know Pat's is in our in our hands. That actually quite frightens me when Pat started listening off early the places we've got to go to because I just think that is absolutely frightening under the current structure of what we're facing to have to go to these teams where. I would love to have some form of optimism. Like I know Holly absolutely has optimism, bless her. But I, I just, I do worry that, you know, this team, whether, whether they're capable enough,
3: okay.
0: it's another question. I, I well, don't know. It's, it's, just just yeah. last,
3: last one, sorry. And Holly mentioned it earlier. The loss of yeah. Bentoncourt for this team. Oh, I mean, think you can't contemplate how big a loss it is. As I said before, Rick, I think he would have gone on and been in the PFA team of the season for how well he started this season. And for a holding midfield player to be on six goals, and it's just general contribution to making those around him play better. Um, it's just crazy. So for us to first have lost him for such a long period of time is such a body blow. And it's also going to be a body blow for next season because he might not be back till the end November kind of time. So yeah. Your new manager isn't going to have the luxury of building the side around him, which is what I would want. I think he's that good. I think he's got so many amazing attributes. And just to lose him as we've done... Um, It makes finishing top four a real tough tough ask this season.
0: What we are going to do, we are going to go for our final break of this show for our listeners on audio. Taking into that break, you are going to hear from Tom from the Back of the Net podcast who gives you a Bournemouth perspective on what to expect from them ahead of the weekend. And when we come back, we'll be dissecting and getting our teeth into the cherries.
5: Definitely anticipating a really intriguing match at the weekend between Bournemouth and Tottenham. Just because of the of the form really I think player for player most people would argue that that Tottenham have have a higher level of quality within their side but a bit of turmoil there at the moment not the not the greatest of performances from a Tottenham perspective and whereas ourselves we're on on a good run at the moment on on a decent bit of form and we desperately need the points so I'm definitely hoping we can go there and and nick something if possible it will definitely be a tough game, no doubt about it. But we um, will be really interesting to see how both teams pan out on the day. I think tactically and, and personnel-wise, from a Bournemouth point of view, I think we'll continue with our kind of 4-3-3 that we've been going with lately. It seems to have worked okay. Uh, Neto would definitely be in goal. Um, I would have thought the back four will continue as it did in our last win at Leicester, which was from right to left, Adam Smith, ex-Tottenham player, obviously come through the ranks there. Uh, Chris Meppham, Jack Stevens, and Lloyd Kelly at left back. But Marco Sonesi could come back. He was playing at centre-half ahead of Meppham but has recently had an injury and Chris Meppham come in and done a really good job so I expect him to stay in. Midfield three, I would expect to stay the same which is Jefferson Lerma, the deepest of the three. Joe Rothwell and Philip Billing who's our top goalscorer this season so we hope to get him as advanced as possible. Dom Solanke will definitely lead the line for us. In terms of the wide areas, that's where we could have a change. We've been going with uh, Ryan Christie and Dango Watara lately, um, mainly because of Marcus Tavernier's injury problems. But I'm hoping he might be available to start this one. So wouldn't be surprised if you see Marcus Tavernier coming in for Dango Watara, just to give Watara a break and also to give Marcus Tavernier that, that start, really, that he's, that he's craved and, and probably deserves. So, yeah, I think it will be a really tight game, as I say. But I am hopeful. Um, I am hopeful. We It's probably, considering the games we've got coming up, so if you're not aware, we've got um, Leeds, West Ham and Southampton all coming up in a row, actually, which are obviously that cliche six-pointers for, for where we are. So this feels a little bit more of a bonus game, but the way we've been playing lately and, and done all right on the road, obviously, at, at Leicester, I'm quietly confident we can get something. I really am. So, yeah, I'm going to be going to be positive and say we can nick a point at your place so yeah I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw Harry Kane will probably get a goal for Tottenham as always and I uh, hope Dom Slanky might get back on the score sheet so yeah I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw but um a positive performance kicking on into a big running for us I'll, I'll be well happy.
0: Before we talk all things Bournemouth just a slight update with regards to Fabio Paratigi where an announcement was made this week that he has appealed FIFA's decision to extend his global ban from football. Of course, Paracic was handed a 30-month ban from Italian football for his alleged financial mispractices at Juventus. In March, World Football's governing body took Spurs by surprise by extending that ban worldwide, as we know, prompting Paracic to take an immediate leave of absence from his role in North London. Paracic has now appealed FIFA's decision and he is due to hear the outcome of that appeal to the Italian football sanctions, which will be heard by the Italian Football Federation, the FIGC, on April the 19th. Of course, Paratigy, one of 11 former Juventus executives under investigations, with all of those figures denying any wrongdoing their appeal against the sanctions imposed by the Italian Football Federation will be heard by the Italian Olympic Committee. So we'll update you more on Fabio Pratigi as soon as we get it. But Holes, what we are going to do, we are going to steer our attention to Bournemouth to come at the weekend. As much as we don't want to talk about Spurs in action, we have to. And of course, Bournemouth is next on the calendar for Tottenham. It's a game that, let's be honest about it, on paper, Spurs should win. But paper and Tottenham don't come together normally so give me your thoughts on what you're expecting against Bournemouth at the weekend in a game in which Spurs if they do win can break back into the top four albeit maybe for even a temporary time
2: I look at the table and I think this should be fairly straightforward okay but listen stranger things have happened we know this Stranger things have happened. And the prime example I used was last last season doing a double on Man City and then losing to a team that gets relegated. Like, it, it got relegated. It's just, you know, it comes back to the, 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 the whole Spursy thing. And I am always going to remain positive and say that we're going to win, and I reckon we'll win 3-1, I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put it out there into the universe. I always do. The universal really listens to me, but God
0: loves a tryer. Can I just say, Holmes, it's the first time anybody at the moment is volunteering a prediction, given the, the, the basket case Spurs are right now. But bless you I really do appreciate the optimism there. 3-1 Spurs win. We're not finished with you just yet. We are going to come back round to you as well and more about Bournemouth as a side. Um, because coming around to you, Pat, if I can, um, look, they're fighting for their lives in the Premier League. And again, under Gary O'Neill, they've carried so far 30 points, which has led them to... 15th place in the league they're three points clear of the bottom three as things stand I think to be fair I've got to this I thought I wrote them off really when they appointed Gary O'Neill as manager I really thought they were going to struggle to stay up but um they seem to have a real spirit about them we can't get away from the fact they've beaten Leicester away from home I know Leicester as well they're fighting their own battles at the wrong end of the table and they have also beaten Liverpool so I'm not sure if they're a side that you can just write off? Do you think they'll come, Pat, and be expressive because of the nature that they're going to be the underdog at the weekend?
4: Yeah, 100%. The thing is, you know, I I don't want to diss my own team and be self-deprecating, whichever you call it, but they will come to the Tottenham Stadium and say, you know what, we can beat this team. We've seen their performances. We've seen the weird, you know, uh, well, form that Tottenham are in and they'll be up for it. They're fighting for their lives, like you said. There's some similarities between the two teams because, we're fifth, uh, three points off third and fourth. They're 15th, which sounds crazy, but they're three points off 18th for relegation. So there's a few similarities between the teams in terms of what we're both fighting for. And um, yeah, they're in the last six. They've won three, lost three. The four, Our form in the last six, we've won three, drawn two, lost one. Funny enough, our form, when you look at it or read it on paper, doesn't sound that bad. But it's the manner in which we've lost points or dropped points in those two draws. We were winning, obviously, against uh, Everton, and we ended up dropping uh, two points and drawing 1-1. We were winning against Southampton, two goals to the good with 15 minutes to go, and we ended up drawing the game 3-3. But our form on paper isn't that bad. But when you look at the points dropped and the way we're playing, even though we're where we are, we don't go into the game with great confidence. And if they do get, there I say, an early goal, the stadium's going to be very flat. If, if we start passing the ball around and making a few mistakes, the fans will start, obviously, murmuring and, you know, grumbling, and then that transcends into the players. So we do need an early goal. I do think we'll beat them, to be fair. I think we'll smash them. And, you know, touch words, don't want to jinx it, but I do think we actually will beat them and beat them up quite badly. And I've looked at our games over uh, our last five against them. They have been some good results, but a few of them were in a pot era. So, you know, I don't know, make it that what you will. But we when we play them, we do usually... Give them a spanking, but they are. A, I wouldn't say they were a good team, but they are a team fighting for their life. And this yeah. at this stage of the season, no game's easy. You know, whether you're playing someone fighting for top four or or the league, or fighting playing someone that's fighting for their lives and and Premier League survival, every game's a toughie. So, you know, but it's a game that you know it's a favourable fixture, uh, if I can put it that way. Yeah, you spawn. Yeah, so you know, I think we'll win. Um, it might be uncomfortable during certain moments, but I think we'll we're, we're, we're get a few goals in, and put them to the sword in.
0: When is it not uncomfortable, Pat, watching Spurs? <laughs> I mean, I, I'd say it's uncomfortable for the full 90 minutes plus, but there you go. Um, John, just to bring you in, uh, I know Anthony Costa, I can hear him saying, shut up, Rick, shut up, Rick, as I read this out. Spurs gain for their sixth subsequent home win against Bournemouth. And I think the Spurs are now on course. For, is it six wins in a row at it home? It will be six yeah. wins in a row at home if Spurs win. It does sound, John, nothing can go wrong, but it's Tottenham, isn't it? So I what, what, what do you think going into this one? I mean, should there be any reason why we go into this complacent? Because ultimately a win here, I think, look, with every win, it does increase the pressure on the likes of Newcastle and United to keep on winning. I'm not suggesting that I think Spurs are in the box seat, certainly not for that fourth place. But the more games we keep winning, the more, as unlikely as, John, the chances we have, we could still finish in the top four. As I know mentally, I keep telling myself, that is not possible.
3: Yeah, look on paper, Bournemouth at home should be a, a banker. You know that should be one of your start of the season. You're thinking where you get your points from. That really should be one of them. But I watched the highlights of Bournemouth's uh, game against Leicester. They were bloody good. They were really, really good. They had this guy Philip Billing, who he could have scored about three or four goals. He picks. It, he's a big, tall guy. Picks the ball up in kind of advanced positions, not afraid to get his shots away. And um, the goal he scored was quite fortuitous. It was kind of played back to him, and he intercepted it. But Bournemouth looked a fairly decent and mobile side and uh, they've obviously got Adam Smith in their side. He came through our academy and he's actually Bournemouth's record ever Premier League appearance maker. Good friend friend of Kane and Mason and and Tom Carroll and that lot. Um, So, yeah, Bournemouth have got some good players and sure players with points to prove as well. I remember down the years, the number of youth games where Dominic Solanke would absolutely dominate us for Chelsea. Um, So he's got good memories of playing against Tottenham in in different competitions for for Chelsea's academy, and I'm sure he'll be up for it. Um, And I I think they've got some some good pacey players born from the break, especially. So we'll have to watch out for them. But on paper, we should be taking the confidence of the five home wins in a row before this. The fact that we've beaten the likes of Brighton, who I say are a very good side, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City in recent weeks at home. uh, We should be looking to to get the three points. And as you said, Rick, putting the pressure on those above us because, you know, Man United have got a lot of games coming up. They're in the FA Cup still. They're in the Europa League. Um, so, so Man United and losing Rashford is massive for them, I think. I think that's a huge, huge blow. He's been phenomenal since the World Cup. He's really, re really his career. And, you know, he's, he's in a real positive trajectory at the moment. So I think for them to lose him is massive. And it may lead them to playing a bit one-dimensional if just weghorsed up front. Um, or unless Anthony can rediscover some form. So, you know, for me personally, I, I think we've got to win this game. Um, you know, with, with the harder games to come, it's an absolutely must-win game if we want to take anything positive from this season.
0: Yeah. hold you already give me a prediction, so I'm going to have to ask you another tough question, if you don't mind. Um, obviously, Spurs, fifth place when they go into this game. They play a day before Man United travel to Nottingham Forest, so it does allow us to turn up the heat in the race for the Champions League place and actually go into fourth spot before United play on that Sunday. Conte has spoken a lot about this team not being able to handle pressure do you think with the opportunity that presents itself that if they win and they would go into fourth does that even add more pressure on Tottenham going into the game or should that not even be a thing that these players even have to think about
2: well I think that the pressure is on to get into top four full stop and to retain it as you said there that's another challenge every game then brings its own pressure because they'll want to retain that to the end of the season they should be turning up the heat at this point when it's literally in our hands. You know, we can we can do it. Um, there's still the possibility, and so it it would be incredibly frustrating if they do bottle it because you know it is still in our favor to to do that and to finish to finish strong. We managed to pull it off last season, um, and I, th- I think we can do it again. I just think that we need to come out with a little bit more. Hunger and a little bit more desire to succeed, rather than um, playing it safe and kind of just winging it. Sometimes I think there needs to be um, a fire in their bellies, basically, um, and that's 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 basically what they need. They need to come out and they need to they need to fight for it.
0: I totally agree. I I, I just wonder, Pat. Do you think the style of play that They possess in themselves in terms of Bournemouth. Would that even play more into Spurs' hands, similar to Brighton, where, you know, they're not going to be playing against a side that are going to maybe put 11 behind the ball? I think because of their position in the league, they are going to have to give things a go because you see how condensed that eight, nine teams are at the bottom, even if you go further up to, you know, the, the bottom 10. You know, there really is an element where teams can't really afford to come into games and only put them behind the ball. They are going to have to have a bit of risk and try and win the game because really a point doesn't do you great in the battle for survival. So what kind of style of player are you expect to see from Bournemouth? And do you think that might play into Spurs' hand at the weekend?
4: Yeah, that's the great thing about this year. Because usually a team, maybe like a West Ham or a Leicester, or maybe a Wolves that are like comb and dry, they're on their 40 points already. They can just literally park 10 behind the ball and just hope not to get beat. You know, put on a good show and try and nick a, a goal on the counter. But the fact that every team, I say every, most of the team in the bottom half, or so close to the relegation scrap because it's so condensed. They need, like you said, a point doesn't do any anyone any favors. They need to go for all three, so that will play into our hands. But then saying that, if they're playing front foot aggressive football and we're doing what we usually do and parking the bus, then you know they they're gonna have all of the impetus to to really put us on under the cosh, and that's what we've been seeing. I've not seen us be you know taking the initiative trying to like impose ourselves on teams we've got a lot of quality in this team a lot of attacking quality why don't we actually use that to scare teams and to obviously hold the ball move it around but the reason why we can't do that is because with a midfield two of of skip and hoiberg you just don't have that quality to retain the ball and move it from side to side and obviously you know cut through lines and you know get the get the attacking players in the positions where they they're going to be dangerous so with three in midfield, you would ho- hopefully have that. But then that leaves four at the back. And what four are we going to use that can protect us? So there's a few problems there. But, yeah, I'd love to see us actually take the game to them. With all due respect, it's Bournemouth. We're at home. Yeah, Why can't we just...
0: We should, we should, you know what, Pat? We should think we having these... You know what, I feel exactly. Like... It feels bad we've been having these conversations about the fact, are we going to break them down or are Mate, we going to be able to beat them? Bournemouth at home. It's mental. Bournemouth at
4: home. I know. That's all that needs to be said. And that's no disrespect to Bournemouth. No, no. So come on, man. No.
0: Come on, mate. We are Tottenham Hotspur as well. Is, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I have to sometimes pinch myself when I'm sitting here saying, you know, even I know respect to Brighton. Brighton are a fine club. You got to say mm. that. But even last week, I'm sitting here thinking, we're Tottenham Hotspur. Why am I even I asking? Know. What the, is why, going on? Why, what is going on when I'm having to ask these questions? Honestly, it's, this is where we're at. But has uh, very given us our, is a very kind of given us our prediction. Uh, Pat, we're going to go for at the weekend. What do you think? Four 0 Four nil. Well, yeah, okay. I'm going but big after that like worrying yeah. and four nil. <laughs> John, let's, let's bring you in, bud. Um, it's fair to say, John, I mean, look, we've got some real injury problems. Obviously, as we know, we're going to be without the likes of Royale, Davis, Sessignan, Basuma, Benson, Core. of course. More are still seven at band, as you mentioned. Uh, Jordan on the screen there asked, do you know of any younger players that can maybe come in on the left to play a back four? And maybe I'll also add to that and say, John, do you think at this stage of the season, will we actually even risk that given how Stalini has been, as we've mentioned earlier, very much kind of about his favourites? Would he really change things up and give a player an opportunity from the reserves?
3: I've got to be honest. that The, the left-back and left-wing-back in our academy, under-18s, under-16s even, is our weakest area. We had a, we had a really good England under-16 left-back, uh, Jaden Magoma, uh, pounced on by Southampton and taken away. You know, that's another bigger question. In what world are Southampton cherry-picking our best academy players and taking them away from us? When we put so much money into Hotspur Way, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, and obviously, we lost Dennis Sirkin as well. I've so seen there's another question about him there. Um, he chose to go. He was offered a pro contract at Tottenham, but uh, due to a family bereavement, he wanted to go out and prove himself. And he's absolutely done that. So huge credit to him. You know, He's done really well at Sunderland. We do have the six million buyback on him. And I know Tottenham always keep an eye on his development. Um, but at the moment, I don't see an academy left back being of the required level to come in and play Premier League football. Absolutely not. It's our weakest area. Um, and it's an area I expect them to address in the summer with a couple of signings for the academy in that position. In terms of just one positive on the academy, if I may, I noticed on Saturday, uh, academy year one players Jaden Williams and Tyrese Hall were given the opportunity to be part of the match day squad. So they weren't named on the, the bench, but they got ready with the players at, Hots- at Hotspur Way, got the coach over to the ground, sat in the training uh, area at the stadium and in the kit room before the game. I think that's a really positive step. That wasn't happening under Conte. So I can only think that is Ryan Mason that's pushing that. Um, And I think it's really good. I think it gives players so that when they are dropped into that environment, they're used to it and they know what's coming. And that, that kind of rabbit in the headlights moment may not happen. And also I think it, hence the pun, it spurs people on it gives them the incentive oh I like this I want to be part of this you know I want to be in a dressing room sitting next to Harry Kane and mingling with these people and knowing them so that when I'm at Hotspur way I can fist bump them and say hello and you know all that kind of stuff I think that's a really positive step by Tottenham and it hasn't been really talked about in the media so I just wanted to get that out there um, but yeah back back to the game against Bournemouth I'm going to go with like Patrick I think it would be a really comfortable win Um, I think Bournemouth will attack us and that will suit us to the ground. They're not as good as Brighton, so I don't expect us to be put under those sort of scenarios that Brighton put us under. Uh, And I'm going to go for a 4-0 Tottenham win. Let's wow. go! Come on! So Let's a go! A lot on.
0: of positive, a lot of positive predictions here, John. Yeah. For those that are asking questions about the youth, where can they find more youth updates? I know, obviously, I think the podcast is going to come back at some point, but yeah, where I, I can keep they?
3: Less people, man. It keeps sending messages. Then, John, bring the podcast up. I just struggled a little bit for time at the moment with with my two young kids, but um it will come back at some point. So, just keep an eye on my Twitter or Instagram, and I'll uh, try and post a lot of info about the academy on there for people.
0: Amazing, John! Thank you so much, Pat. Been an absolute pleasure having you back on last week on Spurs. Where can people find you defending our great football club? And uh, yeah, try to keep the good name that is Tottenham at the moment. It is a good name, but try to keep us alive.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I listen, it's a club that we love. And and you know what? Absolutely. As bad as it's been, we're still within a fighting chance of third and fourth. So if we can somehow get into the top four this season, and this is as bad as it's been, hopefully we can actually get a good manager in. You know nagelsman or pochettino one of the two i'll be over the moon and then push on and play some decent football again and actually be excited and look forward to these but anyway i digress my name's patrick tyron you can find me on twitter follow me on there you'll see all the podcasts and stuff that i'm involved in i'm involved in some good stuff and um yeah it's been a pleasure as always wiki and john and holly it's been great
0: loving it people asking me i'm gonna go for a 3-1 spurs win I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm going for a 3-1 Spurs. We're meant to be there at the weekend, so fingers crossed they don't let us down. Holes, what a debut. If only we played like you speak, we'd be absolutely fine. So no pressure on the boys for the weekend. I was will people to check you out on the socials for more of your insights on Spurs. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so Holly BBC on Twitter, uh, Holes Clemens on Instagram. Um, I saw in the comments, someone basically said, I'm the female version of Ricky Jane Norwood. And let me tell you, that is not the first time I've heard that and it won't be the last time I've heard that. Uh, um, and yeah, what a great comparison to, well, you know, what a positive bunch. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've absolutely loved it. And yeah, I hope to be back again. And thanks guys. It's so nice to meet you all.
0: Bless you. No, it's been amazing. Definitely the first of many holes. Thank you so much. Bless Ricky. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky's got a lot to answer for. He, he's one of the most positive guys I know, but we had him on here after AC Milan broke him. So as much as he's the most positive guy, he's had some hard times the last word on Spurs. And probably more to come. I think he's still trying to forgive me for the four Chelsea back-to-back defeats of last season, bless him. But look, from the wonderful John Wenham, from the superb Patrick Simon, from the brilliant Holly Clemens on this last word on Spurs, guys, Fingers crossed! We're going into Saturday and we're going to get the victory. As always, we're back with you for post-match reaction straight after that. But from all of us here, please, as always, keep safe, keep well, and come on, you Spurs!
1: Sports Social
0: Podcast Network.